Friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio or search for us at keyword World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to be inspired, uplifted, and motivated to greatness? It's time for Star Style. Be the star you are. With your effervescent personal growth coaches, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and health specialist, Heather Brittany. Define your vision, discover your passion, and design your future in this power-packed hour of life-changing talk radio. Featuring authors and success experts dedicated to helping you achieve the results you deserve. Be entertained, edutained, encouraged, and empowered. Smile, have fun, and celebrate you. Explore your potential and embrace your possibilities with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany on Star Style. Be the star you are, starting right now. Good day, Power Partners. Welcome to our Playpen. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are your guides on the side here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with you every week on World Talk Radio Network. We know you have a plan for your life. We know you've set goals and you know where you want to go. And there are going to be detours on this road called life. So here at Star Style, Be the Star You Are, Heather and I will be here for you with ideas and options that allow you to peek down a different path. And we hope that you'll discover something extraordinary with a little help from your friends here on the radio. Maybe that'll be yourself or a new author or a great book or a great tip. It only takes one idea to spark a revolution and an evolution. The universe is your oyster. Spread your wings and soar to the stars. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Twive and Receive. For today only, you have the ability to help Be The Star You Are get extra dollars by making a donation at twive.razu.com forward slash story express yourself teen radio. Or you can just go to btsya.com. They're having a one day event where the charities that get the most hits, even if it's just $10 donations, are in line to receive extra. So do what you can. And this is by Theodore Roosevelt. Do what you can with what you have where you are. Kind of fits into this Twive thing today. Well, today is our grand finale in our four-week interview marathon with master storyteller and best-selling author Dr. Peter Clement with his book, The Darkness Drops. And you're going to see him and meet him again in segment two. And we're going to find out how we can protect ourselves from ourselves, but right now in our Tea for Two and Mother Daughter Brew segment, Heather and I are discussing something big, wedding etiquette. June is the number one month in the entire year for weddings and marriages, 
And we thought we would bring you a bit of what's appropriate and what's not if you are planning that big day anytime soon. So, Heather, we read a lot about weddings and what to do and how to plan, and there's all these professional guides. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is there really is some proper etiquette and kind of just common sense when it comes to weddings. So let's uh, let's kind of dive in yeah. there. Well, you know what's something that's interesting is there's etiquette comes from both sides, both as um, bride and groom, you know, the, the bridal party having, as well as for guests. You have two different um, forms of etiquette you need to come to. And actually how we came to um, this topic recently is something had happened that I was so, um, there, in my opinion, it was poor etiquette on the on the bride. And groom side, and it really kind of worked to, you know, made me think of these thoughts of, you know, what is the proper way? And, and really, you know, something when it comes down to, um, when I was doing this research, there's always so many things people say, you know, what you should and shouldn't do. And if you are, you know, the ones getting married, um, especially as a bride knowing, you know, this is your day. You want to have the wedding you want to have, not the one that everyone tells you you need to have. But at the same time, um, you need, there are certain things you need to follow, um, and just so, you know, it doesn't reflect badly so that feelings aren't hurt. Um, the biggest thing, um, I think, you know, um, coming from both sides is initially sending out that invitation. Um, I think as a guest, the biggest thing is check your calendar. Re- try to respond immediately, you know, very soon as possible. Because um, a lot of times, um, you know, usually people try to do it now um, any time, anywhere from six months to a year in advance. So they're giving you plenty of time, you know, to, to change up, you know, to, to find that time in your schedule. So it's really important a lot of times these um, save the dates or, you know, actual invitations are going out many, many months in advance. So there really is, um, you know, no reason why you shouldn't be responding. And something, um, too, about that is um, if there is some proper etiquette, if someone doesn't respond up to, um, they say, one week later, if you haven't that passed the due date, because a lot of times it says, please respond by June 15th. And now it's June 30th to, um, you know, go, it's okay to actually call the person to ask, are you coming? Because it is extremely rude um, to not respond and then show up because in today's thing is every single head needs to be accounted for, um, especially price-wise. We know that weddings are, it, it, it's crazy that you could put down a down payment or buy a car with what a one-day celebration costs. And that's something really the big too about really stressing on the invitation um, what your expectations are. So, you know, if it's, if you don't want kids at the start, um, it's very it's polite to, you can, on the bottom, you know, if there's any special instructions, you'll only address it to you know, Bob and, and Sally Smith. Don't make it to the whole family. Don't make it to the Smith family. Um, if you don't want additional guests, just say, you know, I hope, both of you can come and have it so that they mark their names um, and, you know, say that, you know, they can't include guests. It's okay to have that little footnote at the bottom saying, you know, uh, casual tire encourage or black tie or, you know, no gifts or you know, things like this, um, you know, no kids, 
And awesome to your invitation. You know, I just want to jump in there. It is really yeah. interesting that you say this because it is, it's so rude and it's very common for people that don't have any etiquette, and I'm talking about guests here, to show up without RSVPing and then also to bring extras, whether it be family members or guests that are visiting or whatever. And that is, that's really unacceptable. So you're right. There's an etiquette both for the bride and groom and their families, but also for the guests. Yeah, and, it's, and that's, you know, the, when it comes to both sides. And the, the big thing is be really, you know, so that there aren't any surprises. So you don't have to deal with, um, you know, it's on your special day. You don't want to be having the stress of, oh, my God, I didn't know they were free. And that is also etiquette. A lot of times I had a friend recently get married in the last year that because they were paying for a lot of the wedding, they sent, um, you know, invitations exactly to each individual, not not allowing people to have a plus one. And they had got contact, you know, so some people would call and ask, and she felt that, you know, unless this is a significant person in your life and that they know them, you know, they don't want you bringing someone that, you know, you've only been dating a little bit of time and that they don't have a connection to because, it's you know, it's a special day you want it to be, Really did with your friends and family. Um, of course, you know, when it comes to a bridal party member, they're allowed to have, you know, a plus one, even if that isn't included on there. But something, too, you know, about, um, you know, really stressing, you know, how you want the dress attire, um, you know, no children. And a big thing, too, is the reception-wise. Um, you want to let people know what their expectations are. We all know a lot of drinking goes on with these things, and people get hungry. So if it's just going to be, you know, if the reception is just a cocktail hour and let's Put that on there, followed by cocktail reception or followed by a dinner, you know, and, and if there is, um, you know, any special, I went to a sit-down one and they, they sent where you could mark off what you wanted, you know, if there was any specialty dietary needs. But be real specific about that because sometimes the expectation is that there's going to be a big reception after there's going to be dinner and you don't want your guests getting there and finding out there isn't or, you know, things like that. So they, you know, and, and feel free that, that they can have someone to contact if they have any additional questions. A big thing, too, is, you know, in today's thing about the gift-wise, um, etiquette-wise, it isn't smart to put it on um, your on that, the actual invitation of sending it out saying, you know, we're registered here. On your save the date, when you send out that save the date, um, a big thing in today's site is people make, go to those websites. They have their own kind of bridal website that has, you know, the backstory and pictures of the, you know, the bride and groom, the bridal party, as well as links to where you're registered. Um, something that's so interesting to me that I've kind of discovered is, you know, they're sort of the, you know, on the fence about people saying if, if they're really just wanting, um, you know, requesting, you know, either no, no, uh, no gifts or just money. I know there's sort of, you know, that, uh, you know, stigma about just asking for money, but I know many people just starting out and married that they have a lot of stuff already and they don't have, you know, a large enough home to accompany. I know people that still have things in boxes from their wedding because they just don't have the space to be utilizing all these things that they have now. So something, if that is your thing, you're thinking, you know, we don't need, you know, all these blender, we don't, we don't have the space in our current home right now. Um, and really, you know, we'd like to kind of, 
set up a fund for that new house, that on your wedding registry, you, there could be a little thing kind of explaining, you know, your story of, of um, and you can set up with the bank to set up a fund, and people can put in any kind of amount of money, and it would show in saying $50 has been donated, and you can have it set up on your website that, oh, this money is going to go towards, you know, our backyard or down payment on our house. That way it isn't just saying, you know, we want money, or this is going to go towards a honeymoon. Um, really, you know, just kind of have fun with it and play with it, but don't just be so directive. You just want money, even if that is what you guys need, especially knowing how expensive these things are. You can set up um, sort of a trust fund for you. As well, you know, a there's, a, there's actually a website, and I'm not giving a plug here, but I've gone to weddings, and I think it's called the Honey Fund or something, where people actually um, do just that, where on that they can set up um, where they'll say this, you know, $10 will go towards, um, I don't know, a hike. And $30 will go towards buying a chair and all of this stuff. And people can just go ahead and and um, put their money towards that. Although I still, I guess I'm old-fashioned, I still would rather have, be able to give something that they're going to have for a long time. But, you know, yeah, I guess that's I just, me. You know, I, I used to think that too, I'm one of those people that think, oh, but I just even know in my current situation of we have so many appliances. My boyfriend loves the new, all, you know, and, and always getting these new things. And I know in our current space, you know, we wouldn't be able to even accommodate that. And I think it's um, unfortunate if you can't utilize all these things. And I've seen it. I've actually gone to, to weddings before where I had that, because um, a lot of times people feel, well, you know, what do I, the only things that are left are the really expensive things or, you know, something, you know, I feel silly getting them, you know, a, a kitchen bowl or something, even if they've registered for it, that on these websites, a lot you, you can donate towards their honeymoon fund, and I think that's a really great thing. Also, kind of on the flip side of it, as a big thing, um, I know in, the, in this year we've just gone to so many weddings. We're on the wedding circuit. Um, of then, you know, as soon as we we found out the wedding, going to the website, buying a gift, saying it to him, you know, and and within a couple of weeks, we already get that thank you card, which is awesome. However, though, I believe you know, if you're getting married, you, you hopefully have have uh, really sat down and discussed this. But in the rare you know occasion that you need to postpone the wedding, or if it gets completely called off, there is the etiquette about returning gifts. So that's a big thing. Um, even though not to put any doubt, but there is some, they say sometimes it's not a good thing to open gifts and start using them um, prior to a wedding because of, you know, worst case situations. And also if something does happen, it is proper etiquette to return the gifts or, you know, get the cash, the um, gift receipt and send it back to them. Also, well, Heather, you know, we're getting out of time and I wanted to no. talk about something that has happened recently and it was just shocking to me of someone we know being invited to a wedding like six months or eight months in advance, sending the gift already and then just two weeks before the wedding being uninvited because the bride thought she had too many people that RSVP'd. Discuss that. That, to me, was tacky, yeah, so tacky, again, tacky. Again, really, when it comes to these things, of always being, when it comes to weddings, there's people you have to invite that you're hoping aren't going to say yes, whether it's particular family members or coworkers. But you always need to plan on every single person you invite saying yes. 
you never want to plan on people not, and that can you know work. Things can work against you too. If asking someone to be your bridesmaid because you feel obligated to, but you're hope you're thinking they won't won't say yes, and then they do. Um, the big thing, you know, with that is, um, yeah, that person just didn't. You know, think ahead that they invited all these people and everyone, they were at 120% capacity and then having to go through the list and telling people, well, I'm sorry, you know, we've made a mistake of, um, we didn't think so many people would say yes. I find that incredibly rude. And, and unfortunately in those things, it can, it can cause family rifts. It can cause rifts with friends. And it just is a negative thing and it just really reflects badly on someone. So I would makes- so eliminate people that are so-called friends who did something like that. To me, that is yeah. not a friend. And so they would be so crossed off my list. And there's a really <laughs> good point of, you, you know, the people have already sent the gifts. Um, they have it. Now, in my opinion, those gifts should be sent back. And But I wonder, you know, it would be interesting to find out if that will happen. Well, we are, of course, out of time, so we have to wrap it up. So just we can continue um, maybe another time with more etiquette. Just give us a final sentence about, you know, the most important etiquette that you can think of for weddings. Yeah, most important, um, I would say as a guest, remember you are a guest at this. This is not your wedding day. Dress appropriate. Don't try to outshine the, you know, outshine the bride. Also, based on whatever religion is, make sure you participate in the the prayers or the dances. Celebrate in someone's day, just as they want to celebrate with you. And oftentimes, I think a really great thing Emily Post said is, the good guest is almost invisible. Enjoying him or herself, communing with fellow guests, and most of all, enjoying the general hospitality of their host. That is awesome. Yes, it is the day for the bride and groom. Actually, uh, again, Heather, as always, a fabulous segment. So give out the website. Most definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.com as well as BeTheStarYouAre.org. Well, when we come back, Dr. Peter Clement joins us again this week to continue the saga of his medical thriller, The Darkness Drops. Don't be frightened of the futures. The doctors have it under control. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we'll be back in a bit. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be the Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org. All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star. You 
Are you a teenager with lots to say but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Be the star you are. You are the Get ready to be inspired, entertained, and motivated to greatness with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Turn up the volume. Tune in to the Power Hour on Star Style. Be the star you are. Now, back to the program with the Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. You'll find all you need in a light that shines. Gratitude to all you power partners around the world for listening to this up. The Positive Talk Radio Show right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am your host and personal growth guide, Cynthia Bryan, and I am so happy to be with you again. You know that we have been talking about the darkness drops for the past three weeks, and today is our grand finale. This is going to be such an exciting, exciting segment, and we hope that you are ready to rock and roll with us because Peter Clement is back with us. And if you are ready for the dazzling scientific discoveries in the darkness drops, you're going to be immersed into a world that you've never known and plunged into that murky milieu of arms merchants who have gone high tech. And you will experience firsthand a virtual walk. That is a visual feast through the human brain. Are you intrigued yet? Okay. Well, let's get Peter back with us. Welcome back, Peter, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you, Cynthia. It's good to be here. Well, we have been having a lot of fun with you and with this book for the past three weeks. I think that we have really dug deeply into the crevices of your international bestseller and scientific thriller, The Darkness Drops. And we've kind of had a rock, you know, a roller coaster ride through emotions of being scared to our core and then rescued by facts and then massaged with your love story. We've heard about your writing process, how you find and develop your characters and how you juggle being a renowned physician by day and acclaimed author by night. But today, I want to really delve into the reality of scientific genetic, genetic engineering and what we lay people really need to know. Because in the past few months, headlines in the New York Times, as well as other recognized authorities in the press, have reported articles such as, you know, doomsday virus on the loose or despite safety worries, work on deadly flu is to be released or study finds virus to be fast learner or infected, or amateurs are the new fear in creating mutant viruses. 
these reports are scary, Peter, um, and they are a central theme in The Darkness Drops. So could we talk about the man-made virus and the, the potential that it has to destroy mankind? Are these events portrayed in The Darkness Drops? Can they possibly come true? Well, Cynthia, the short answer is that um, I don't know for sure. But then that's the that's the problem. Um, that um, theoretically, it is very possible. And what um, is is worrisome is that um, whenever there is one microbe species that has not until now been able to infect human beings, manages to pick up the genetic material that then lets them infect human beings. We have no immunity, and that's what gives rise to, for instance, the huge Spanish flu epidemic in 1918-1919. That's what's thought to have given rise to AIDS, that it was a simian virus that somehow managed to jump the species barrier. And that's what happened with SARS. It was previously limited to civet cats, a kind of... uh, 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 muskrat kind of, uh, you know, an animal that we see every day, but it acquired the genetic makeover that was necessary for it to attach to the human respiratory tree, and that's why it was so dangerous. Well, what is fascinating about The Darkness Drops is that many of the seminal events that you write about in The Darkness Drops are actually based on some real-life instances, and in fact, some of one, some of them are things that you created in your mind, yet they've come true. Can we kind of give a little uh, insight into that? Can you know without giving away any of the story? But could you give us a little um, a little taste of some of the things that have happened? You know, besides the flu epidemic in 1918, that probably wasn't engineered. But some things that might have been engineered that you've incorporated or based some of your events on for the darkness drops. Yes. Um. I think maybe one episode that's early in the book, and readers find uh, are introduced to it quite soon on, um, it postulates that in a biomunitions factory in Russia at the end of the Cold War, that there was a leak, a leak of uh, what at the time no one knew. Um, it happened in a small town called Sverdlovsk, um, which was formerly... Katerinenburg, which is where the Tsar and, and uh, Anastasia were, uh, or or not had been had been massacred, but this was a a closed sealed city, very military city. Uh, it's also where they shot down Gary Powers back in the '60s, and then had a show trial of uh, American uh, spy plane pilots. Um, in that city, there was an event where one morning. A whole lot of young, previously healthy people who had been out in the open around 8 a.m. were coming into emergency um, later in the day in extreme respiratory distress. Um, officials said it was a strange rogue type of flu, but a lot of these people very quickly deteriorated and died. Um, it was never officially explained but I was able to talk to two physicians who survived that. And what was clear to them and what was clear to the pathologist, despite all the kind of official um, uh, narrative of what was going on, 
was that this had been an anthrax release and that this was bioweapons-grade anthrax. Um, so was this released uh, to find out what it would do to people? No, is it's that- accidental. It was an accidental release. So this is accidental, just like some of these headlines we're reading right now of these viruses that are supposedly in a laboratory in Amsterdam or something that could possibly leak, or they thought they could leak, or they thought they thought that the evidence could leak. So it's it's a similar kind of situation. It becomes accidental. Well, I mean, um, this is the this is the problem. I mean, these things are not supposed to happen, but. Uh, we all know that they do, at least if you've got any imagination, you know that, you know, things can go wrong. Now, on the whole, there's incredible levels of safety, and you, but you can never make it perfect. Um, all you can do with risk, um, and we talked before that uh, a lot of the work in ER, we see a lot of ways to manage risk <laughs> and, and maybe even overdo it in everyday life but, or attempted to. But there are um, ways to, you know, reduce the chances of a catastrophe. Um, I just think what was scary about all those articles in this debate about whether or not we should just release scientific information completely without any kind of withholding or keeping back any key areas that might allow some of these organisms to be made in a lab. Um, and in terms of scientific flow of information. Um, I think that's awfully naive. In fact, I was quite angry when I started to read some of the arguments for this because it, it presumes that no one will ever do anything evil with it. Exactly. And that's what I, you know, when I was reading these articles too and then associating them with your book, The Darkness Drops, you know, it made me think that, yes, we want to believe the world is a wonderful place and everybody is hunky-dory, but unfortunately, that is not the case all the time. I mean, there are people out there that really and truly want to do us harm, and we can see, just like within this past week, there was that whole LinkedIn uh, password theft, you know, of I don't know how many million passwords uh, that happened, and it's put people in a tizzy. I mean, what would they do with a virus? You know, this... So I think that this is a bad, that was definitely a bad idea. Now, something in the darkness drops that when people read the book, and I want to encourage you to go to peterclementbooks.com. It is an ebook. You can download it at this moment and get it. You will not be disappointed. It's fabulous. And for those of you who do not have e-readers, you can actually on the website Go to the publishing house and you can get a download. You can buy the download of a PDF. So there's no reason not to get the book. But um, in the book, there is a, a, a few scenes about experiments on humans. And it's really, really riveting. This happened. We saw this during the Nazis. We've known that it's happened in during war times, etc., could you talk about that just a, a bit more and how people become the human guinea pigs? Well, it, I mean, it, uh, it, it's a grotesque um, incident. And, um, but the um, reading that I did, it, it sort of it is, in a, in a macabre way, very intriguing to me. How can doctors become involved in such a thing? Um, yet there were doctors involved in, in the camps uh, during the Holocaust. There were doctors involved in 
um, equally, if not more horrific, uh, use of testing of bioweapons on um, captives in Nanking uh, by the um, uh, by the Japanese who had raided that part of uh, of, of China, and um, the it, it just uh, is un. Conceivable how someone could turn off their humanity to do this sort of thing. Right, because as a physician, the first thing, your oath is do no harm. And then there are these people that actually committed such incredible atrocities who had taken that oath and who were, you know, sworn to protect life, not to destroy it. Well, I think that, uh, in, you know, the words, uh, words of, uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, by Arthur Conan Doyle. There's a line in one of the books that when doctors go bad, they are very serious foes indeed because they have knowledge and nerve. Um, yet, and at, unfortunately, you know, this has happened. And um, I basically, in, in telling the story, um, it just raises the question if it's happened before, uh, could it be happening again? And with some of the atrocities we hear that are carried out uh, within prisons and uh, in some parts of the world, um, it uh, would be hard to argue that, oh, no, this can't be going on. I was just going to say, Peter, I would imagine it would be naive of us to say that some dictatorships around the world or uh, some countries are not involved in this, in- possibly including our own country. I mean, it's very... It's a very frightening thing to think it's happening, but I imagine it is happening. This is um, this gets me to another topic that uh, it, that takes place in the darkness drops too. There was a treatment procedure that you actually made up when you started the novel, and yeah. you you wrote to me that this was a complete fantasy. But by the time you finished the final draft, four years later. There were actually scientists and researchers that were putting or attempting to put your idea into practice. Had they read your book or were I, they reading your it. mind? No, no, no. <laughs> or, or, or do all great minds think alike? Well, I mean, I think it's it was it was ripe fruit for the picking. Um, again, I, I don't want to spoil the suspense, and I'll let the readers find it for themselves. But um, it, it's what I do with a lot of science and medicine when I'm writing the books is, is I like to just lift it over the horizon a bit and go into the near future and just see what's a logical extension. And that's the wonderful freedom of writing fiction. I can just let my imagination roam, but on pretty sound, ba- uh, you know, on, on a sound basis of facts. Like it can't say, oh, well, you already know that can't happen. This is more like playing what is possible. And that's one of the reasons I love doing fiction. But uh, yes, in this one, I, I, for the purposes of the story, I was looking through what might be possible, and it, the idea hit me, and um, made it an integral part of the of the story. And I was <laughs> very surprised about four years later to actually read in a in a in a journal that uh, indeed these ideas were being carried out by some research. I have no idea of the results. I have no idea if they actually will work. But um, um, it was fun to find that. Well, you know what's interesting about that is when you conceived this fantasy, it most likely came from your years as a physician and working in the ER and, as you said previous, trying to solve problems, finding ways, you know, thinking the 12 steps ahead, just like uh, Terry Ryder does. You know, he's always, he's known for thinking ahead of the game, but to actually 
create this in your mind and then to have it become a reality, that had to be quite satisfying for you. Did you it get a good chuckle? It was fun. I mean, sort of said, okay, I was on the right track. <laughs> right, right. See, there's more Terry Ryder in you than you admit to. Oh, I'm well, telling okay. you that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, you know, um, the, you have, uh, and again, I don't want to give away any of this, but you have so many fascinating twists and turns besides the characters and the love story, but so much scientific evidence and so many scientific things in the book. Can we talk about molecular holograms? Because this was very, in your book, there is a, uh, a, some scenes with these molecular holograms that are absolutely fascinating. And when reading it, I actually felt like I was in a museum and walking through, like I just saw the Gautier exhibition, and it, it just felt like something like that. So what are the prototypes that exist, and what are the possibilities? What can you do with that kind of landscape? Well, once again, it was, um, I read an article about some uh, uh, Canadian scientists that had actually developed um, a holodeck, a kind of a holodeck where they could project holograms of complex molecules. And it just made it possible for people to kind of go and look at them in a visual way that you would look at a piece of sculpture and give you ideas about maybe how these molecules, you know, can work on in different parts of the body or how they might attach to a certain kind of tissue. Um, now, this was the stage at which it was at when I read about it. And again, it was, uh, you know, in about the middle of the decade. Um, I'm not sure where it's gone from there. But, I mean, again, it once again just fired my imagination. was, well, what could, you know, what else could you do with this? And, and who, and, you know, could you actually do it with um, uh, electron micrographs of human tissue? And, and basically then walk through cells on a, on a molecular level and, and what kind of insights might that give, especially to a guy like Terry Ryder that thinks visually anyway. Um, but just might it open up ways of looking at, at dynamics and pathways of various diseases and the various intermediaries that, you know, that link together to cause certain kinds of, uh, problems or pathologies and, um, and it just kind of cooked up into then the scenes that I wrote in the story. You know, it would be really interesting just to be able to, like, swallow a, a video camera and then take a ride through the body and the brain and see what was going <laughs> on. You know, I mean, it, it, it's probably not so far-fetched, you know. I mean, it's probably 30 years ago that was, like, very uh, sci-fi, but now it's probably more science than before. It's, it's close, and, I mean, people are putting wires into every orifice you can find, and, you know, and I guess we already do that in very mundane ways. It's called a colonoscopy, you know. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, you you get a colonoscopy, and they say, do you want to have the video to yes, take home and you know, watch? And it's please like... Please not. <laughs> <laughs> I know, so that, it made me think of that when like you were to, see, when you, know. you ha- presented these molecular holograms. It's almost like you know you are living inside the body. It's like seeing it firsthand. Well, that was what I wanted to do, and 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 even I'd wanted to do that in a book for a long time. Was just to imagine the you know the brain on that scale or the tissues of anywhere on that scale and how things might work and see it molecularly. Um, I mentioned how um, I have to write from visual images. Uh, that seems to be my, you know, my template. 
And it was just something I really wanted a, a, an excuse to explore, and I got it in this book. That compliance for finding out about viruses or bioweapons or any of that is probably not at the stage where it needs to be as far as protection. But what kind of global tracking system is there for any emergent diseases? I mean, you called it a global tracking of emergent diseases. So something like this exists. It has a different name. But was that how SARS was identified? Um I'm not sure about SARS. It was certainly, um, I, I think in primitive stages it, it played a role, but I, I do know it was partly used as how, the, that's how they found something was going on in Mexico with the H1N1, uh, epidemic in, uh, 2009. And, uh, really what it is, is just records the entry point of people in various clinics and emergency departments and their symptoms. And it collates that, are there any unusual clusters of symptoms in unusual numbers in any area? And um, theoretically then, and in that case, I guess it, it took about three months to find something going on, um, they are able then to say, well, wait a minute, this may be strange, this may be weird, maybe we should pay attention, take a closer look at that. Um, I think that it, uh, um, there's no reason why there just can't be more and more compliance from, um, you know, every freestanding clinic, every emergency department check-in where the um, presenting complaints are always listed. And if these were recorded, well, most charts now in hospitals are, are computerized more and more in private offices, it wouldn't be, a, you know, a big feat um, or it wouldn't be an impossible feat and if all this were plugged into some system that would keep tracking it and keep uh, an analysis of it. Well, if we start seeing little dots <laughs> in one area <laughs> at one time, is is this something that our specialists should be spay- paying more attention to? Could this mean that a country actually has a bioweapons program going on, even though they are adamantly saying they are not? you know, involved in weaponry? I mean, how do we, how do our specialists look closer at something that just seems trivial? Well, it's, uh, I mean, one true story was that when, um, uh, and I forget which year it was, that uh, a Terry Ryder equivalent uh, went to uh, brief the then president of, uh, you know, the dangers of bioweapons. Um, they dealt with, you know, they, they have... Uh, protocols for chemical weapons and protocols for nuclear weapons uh, in uh, bioterror context, as we talked about in, in, in one of our conversations. But the guy that showed up in the White House and, and met with the president um, basically opened his briefcase and said, this is anthrax, and I just smuggled it into your office. And he had a tube of it. So that is so frightening. Is, so he was not just because he was meeting with the president, and he wasn't he wasn't even found out going to meet with the president. No, and and basically, um, and I think it just shows that when you're dealing with microbes, or, I mean, you're dealing with microbes, and so they are really easy to hide. Um, you can, you know, we're used to how to cultivate microbes. We do it all the time in labs to kind of grow and identify organisms that we then want to treat with certain antibiotics or certain antivirals. Um, but this is all to the advantage of anybody that wants to use it for uh, malevolent purposes. 
Well, we definitely are in uncertain times, and and the darkness drops really is such a beautifully well written thriller. But it's also a reassuring escape, and we do want to make sure that our our listeners and all of you who are going to go out and get this ebook immediately understand how exciting the book is, and it's also a love story, and you're going to just be reading some characters that, you know, may possibly exist that are based on a compendium of real life uh, people. And most of all, you know, Terry, yeah, Ter- oh my gosh, Peter, I just had a Freudian slip. I called you Terry. <laughs> 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 Look, listen to that. It, it is just such a great read. You know, I have to admit, when I read the book, I am comparing you to Terry Ryder. So it probably wasn't so Freudian. <laughs> but, well, that's but, nice. Uh, <laughs> The website is peterclementbooks.com, and The Darkness Drops truly does immerse you into this incredible world that you have never known, and you probably haven't thought about it, at least I hadn't thought about it. And there are, you know, as we said at the beginning of the show, there are the arm merchants that now are very high-tech, which wasn't something that was before. There are all these bioweapons that we never think about. And the fact that it's an ebook makes it really easy for people. And I really should say, too, because of those 70% of avid book readers who don't have electronic readers, they can get that PDF on the link, right, to the Belgrave House, right That's from right. your website. Yep. So, uh, peterclementbooks.com, you can buy the PDF and then you can just read it on your computer or your phone or whatever, you know, however you read a PDF. And you can print it out chapter by chapter if you so choose or however you want to do it. So, no excuse not to get the book. And then tell all your friends about it because word of mouth is always the best recommendation. And if I can just say I loved the darkness drops. L O V E D. It haunted me, yet it left me very hopeful. And I really feel that there are good doctors, good people, and trained scientists that have our backs. And of course, there's always always going to be the bad guys. And I guess that's what makes life exciting, right, Peter? Right. <laughs> you summed it all up very yeah. well, Cynthia. Yeah. Well, I just want to say, too, the important thing of the book, though, I thought, was that love conquers all. So after I closed that final page, I breathed, you know, this sigh of relief, knowing that this was, in fact, a love story that was woven into a thriller. So, Peter, again, I just want to say thank you for writing this. I cannot wait to see what else is going to come out of that very, very fantasy yet grounded brain of yours. <laughs> I really enjoyed this journey in the darkness drops. PeterClementBooks.com. Would you like to leave us with some final words? Because I just feel that this, you know, grand finale of the segment was really meant to be a grand finale. And I want to give you the last, uh, the last call here, Peter. Thank you, Cynthia. Um, actually, I'll just say that um, we um, one topic we couldn't talk about on the radio is the uh, the sex life of the doctors who are in the characters of the. Book. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> and good sex I wanted in to here. call that. I, I think I called the chapter "Love or Sex in the Time of Anthrax," 
but it could also be 60 shades of the white coat with nothing underneath. So, <laughs> Oh, and I, will, I'm, I won't give it away, but I want to say that was one of the very exciting chapters. It, you just uh, have to read it, and then you go grab your gas mask and have a little bit of fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could be our future. <laughs> and your hazmat suit. I mean, that might be the future. It, it, was, it sort of reminded me, well, there was a Woody Allen movie, Peter, where sex in the future was you, um, what, you touched hands or is it something like that? It was just, it was rather interesting. So, yes, there's, um, there is a lot of really fun stuff in the book besides the bioweapons. So pick up a copy, The Darkness Drops, PeterClementBooks.com, available in ebook or PDF download. Well, Peter, you have just been a blast to have. I have learned so much. I I feel like this has been an an atomic explosion, you know, a a megatonnage blast because um I don't know. I mean I may be radioactive right now. I'm just not sure. <laughs> well, Cynthia, I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been fun. I love talking about writing and it's been great with you. Well, we're, we'll hope that you'll come back with your next one. I know that you're ready moving forward on that. And did you want to give us like a, a sneak peek or will we just have to wait until it's I finished? think you just have to wait. I'm at the stage where you don't talk about it, where you oh, kind of don't want to it. give it away before it starts to really cook and form. Yes, right. And as we know, the characters take on a life of their own. So we just got to let you do that. Well, Peter Clement, again, thank you so much for being a guest here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Four weeks running, and today was our grand finale. The Darkness Drops. Pick it up now. Peter Clement Bucks. Peter, stay in touch. You're amazing, and when you're ready, you just come back on the show. Thank you, Cynthia. All right. Be well. Well, when we come back from break, we're going to talk about how paint can change your life. I'm Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Enjoy the journey of the darkness drops. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you know what airport etiquette is? You've made it to the airport on time for your next business trip. If you check your luggage at curbside, you also have to make sure you check in at the gate immediately. Checking luggage does not necessarily mean that you have been okayed for a flight. Airlines do require photo ID, as you know, which means it's essential that the name appearing on the ticket is the same name that is on your identification. You could be denied boarding if the two don't match. In fact, you won't make it through security. 
make sure you have your issued itinerary or confirmation number with you just in case of mistakes. If you're traveling using an e-ticket, you'll need the credit card with you that the charge was made to as well as your ID. If your plane is late or canceled, know your rights as a passenger and ask the airline politely for what you deserve, if you deserve anything. Delays are a normal part of traveling these days, so be patient and bring work that can be accomplished in a waiting area. Flying to New York City this week, we sat on the tarmac for over an hour without explanation, and on the return, we were an hour delayed because the plane hadn't been catered. Frustrating, yes. Avoidable, no. I just had a book. It's Bring a Book, Bab. And maybe you'll pick up The Darkness Drops, and you'll love it. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. Visit StarStyleProductions.com. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Make a world of difference in a world of differences when you support Be the Star You Are 501c3, a literacy and positive media charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation today. Everyone counts. Donate today. BeTheStarYouAre.org Be the lucky star you the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, thanks for staying here. I just want to remind all of you that today, Thursday, Be the Star You Are with Express Yourself. Teen Radio is part of the Twive and Receive competition. We need to get donations to win the prize so you can go to btsya.com and make a donation of any amount via PayPal, and that may help us win, and we appreciate that. Well, Alan Cohen, who was a guest on our show a few times, writes um, a great article. It was called The Paint Can of Life, and I had recently painted my deck, and I thought about what he was writing about and thought I would share it with you because he talks about how he painted his deck on his house, and he enjoys painting because it's a meditation and being present that doesn't require a lot of thought, but it does require a lot of attention. If you tend to live in your head, he says, paint something. Your hand will get dirty, but your mind stays clean. So with just a few uh, planks left to paint, he noticed that he was out of paint. So looking back and forth between the paint can on the unfinished boards, He wondered if he would have enough paint to finish the job, and he dipped his brush in the remaining paint, and he made sure it didn't drip any unnecessarily, and he repeated that until there wasn't anything inside the paint can. So after several minutes, he was amazed at how much paint he had squeezed out of the remaining supply, and by the time he was finished, it was completely, the can was completely dry. So what it made him think was how, much you appreciate things when you have just a little bit left and how much more you use than you get out of them. So 
we had the same experience with the final portions of toothpaste tubes. I'm sure you've had that too. Same goes for writing postcards. If you've ever written a postcard home and you fill the space, you know, with kind of your large flowy letters and banal words, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I'm running out of space. And then you start writing what you really mean to say. The same happens when you phone someone, you get their answering machine, you say hello with pleasantries, and then when you're ready to deliver your message, you get that beep, you know, or you're out of time. So it leads um, to one poignant lesson. Do what's important first. As Thoreau suggested, live deep and suck out all the marrow of life. The trick is to make every moment count before it is your last one. And one of the gifts of facing, facing death is to gain the appreciation of life. And many people who have been given a terminal illness have said that they enjoy every minute so richly. And what's interesting is very often their disease disappears. So it's important to really decide to squeeze everything out of your life as possible. We want to teach the power of appreciation and be like a light bulb, smile and shine and teach by radiating more love and teach more by who you are than by your words. So remember that you cannot forget the moment of your birth, that your soul has been branding branding your purpose into you, and you were born of spirit, and you've got to be, do what you are here to do. So appreciate every moment. In our culture, we have kind of this extraordinary value um, volume of stuff, but it's not stuff that's really important. It is the roots and the wings. So thank you so much for being great listeners and allowing Heather and I into your life every week. Here on Star Style, be the star you are. Make sure you are tuned in to World Talk Radio and get this expert advice. Pick up a copy of The Darkness Drops at ebooks, peterclementbooks.com. You won't be disappointed. For information on Star Style, go to starstyleproductions.com. And to make a donation to the charity, be the star you are, visit btsya.com. Our aim is always to inspire and encourage and motivate See beyond your physical being, know you're already a star, and cherish the past, dream of the future, but celebrate today. So until next week, when we play again together, my name is Cynthia Bryan from Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to star and to shine. Just be the star you are. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for tuning in every week for the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Our goal is to inspire, inform, entertain, and motivate you to reach for the stars and shine brightly. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. You're invited to our Power Party next week and every week right here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel with the dynamic duo, the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, our health hero, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers on the planet. We'll pour more champagne for the spirit with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until we play again, be the star you are. You.